Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. Today, we're coming to you after the New England Revolution failed to pick up a point with a rotated squad versus Inter-Miami. I'm Chris Lucas, and joining me today on his Revolution Recap debut, it's Hayden Bird from Boston.com and the Boston Globe. Hayden, welcome to the podcast, and uh, how are you doing tonight? I mean, I'm doing well, but I am just a little worried that my debut is coincides with a pretty tough day for the Revolution now. Yeah, you know, hoping that you can maybe uplift our spirits here tonight. Uh, we'll have to see how it goes, but uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll be uh, finishing this podcast feeling better than we than when we started. So that's usually the goal, I feel like. So yeah, yeah. if we can end up being happy at the end, I think that we'll all uh, we'll all be happy. I mean, that's a rhetorical statement, but uh, we'll keep going from there. Uh, anyways, it was a difficult uh, match to watch, as you mentioned, uh, and especially if you had any rooting interest whatsoever on the Revs, it was kind of a roller coaster night. Or day, it was an afternoon game. Uh, but yeah, let's just get into the key takeaways. Hayden, uh, what stuck out for you the most tonight? Um, I mean, just tonight is just, you know, the the end result being another late goal resulting in another defeat. And the fact that this is now, you know, a string of defeats and, um, you know, essentially the biggest crisis that Bruce Arena has faced since he's been in New England, you, you'd have to say. Um, yep. At the same time, though, you, you have to take that in hand with the fact that it's still happening in March and April. So this is still, you know, very comparatively early in a season where if you're going to have a crisis of this nature, then you'd want to have it in this period of time. So it's not the end of the world. So, um, but at the end of the at the end of the day, though, this you know this is a worrying trend um, of just surrendering now six goals in the last 15 minutes of the game in uh, six regular season games so far this season. Obviously a couple of those came in, you know, one game or two games, but um, yeah, that's, that's my, my takeaway essentially. Yeah. I mean, the revolution have definitely had a hard time uh, keeping the ball out of the back of their own net, which has been unfortunate. Um, and it, like you said, it is the beginning of the season. And uh, if, if it has to happen, definitely better now than, than at the end of the year, you know, uh, we don't want to crash out of the playoffs again or anything like that. So. Uh, it's definitely been tough, tough going so far. Um, but my takeaway, I think, for tonight is just the chemistry from the team. Obviously, it's a rotated squad, and I think a lot of that rotation has um, it contributed to the factors of to why the team has started so poorly this year uh, and to the factors that you, you alluded to as well. But you'd still think that there'd be some chemistry even between these players that might not necessarily play uh, a professional soccer match together all the time, but they're in training every single day together. I don't know where any of this camaraderie that they talk about is. I mean, it does, doesn't show up on the pitch. I think you see it time and time again, especially tonight, where uh, players were just either not making the run that someone else thought that they were going to make um, or vice versa, making a run and the pass goes somewhere else. There's been a lot of really soft passes where um, I, I think Tommy McNamara has been victim to a lot of soft passes tonight, uh, specifically Tommy Mac. But, you know, he wasn't alone in that. Um, just just poor decision making. Not a lot of cohesion going on. Uh, of course, you know, we talked briefly before we, we started recording this about the Justin Reddick school. And you brought it up to me because I had stepped away, so I had missed it. Um, but there was a, something that like you said, 18 
yeah. 18 consecutive passes. And I know you said you were going to bring it up, so I'm sorry. I'm bringing it up. Uh, I, I, stole, I stole your point. Um, <laughs> but it goes to show that this team's capable of doing stuff like that. But uh, it, other than that one play, it really didn't happen. It was maybe one or two good passes in a sequence and then lose possession. Uh, I think they were dominated in the midfield. Um, and a lot of that was down to the chemistry. It's like they, these players had never seen each other before. They didn't know who they were. They were all speaking different languages out there. In back line, same thing. Uh, there was no communication. That first goal, uh, who was marking? Uh, I don't know. Remember the guy's name? That guy that had a hat trick. I should know his name. Um, but th- there was no marking going on. No communication. Nothing from. Uh, maybe there was, and just people weren't listening. But I would think you know Brad Knighton would say, "Hey, you want to mark that runner over there?" Um, I, I don't know. It was poor play all around, and a lot of it, I think, just comes down to a lot of lack of chemistry. And I don't know if you kind of saw something similar or had anything to add on that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I looking at uh, just some of the the stats after the game, I mean, obviously they, they dominated possession, um, which seems to be a trait of the team that's going to, you know, be in the sort of ideal shape that I think arena wants this year with the sort of like four, three, one, two setup with uh heel playing a very traditional 10 and it's a very narrow uh, team a lot of the time. And so you're going to get those, especially with, you know, a player like Legette in there, who, who is, you know, very good and who I think has played very well at points this season, you know, despite, you know, the, the recent run. Um, but, you know, what you get is, you know, they, they a lot of side to side passing and that led to a number of turnovers, especially in the first half um, that, you know, I, I forget it, the exact sequence, um, on some of those early chances, but I mean, Miami definitely took advantage of that. Um, and, you know, I, I think uh, last year they were a little different in the way that they played a little less possession oriented, but a little more direct, I guess. And I think they've lost a little, some of that, especially, I mean, obviously anytime, you, you know, a player like Tejan Buchanan goes out of your lineup, you're going to lose a lot of everything that he was in terms of directness and speed and ability to be players off the dribble and all those things that you kind of would say they were missing in a game like this. Um, But then again, last year, I mean, I'm pretty sure they beat, uh, beat Miami down there five, nothing without, I don't, I don't even know if Tejan was in that lineup. So, um, you know, I think uh, um, it's just, you know, they, they look good at different points. I mean, yeah, that, that move with Renix, I was going to say that was 18 passes. Um, uh, you know, Seth McCumber from the Bent Musket tweeted out that clip and it's a great, you know, it's it's the best version of this team. But it is kind of like there are a lot of moving parts and they all kind of have to click into place for them to really, you know, to create offense. And it just feels like they're really laboring to create chances sometimes despite having, you know, all of the possession for large sections of the game. Yeah. And uh, on this stretch, too. So it's not just tonight, right? It's been five games in a row now. All competitions, the Revolution have not just not won a game, but they've lost, right? Five consecutive losses, all competitions. Yeah. And I think tonight's kind of a culmination of everything that's been going on in the previous matches as well. Uh, of course, we're going to keep going back to the rotated squad. I think that's going to be uh, you know, a key undertone for a lot of the topics that we discussed tonight. But you still can't lose five games in a row. I mean, Brad, what would Brad Friedel say, you know, uh, <laughs> in, a, in a moment like that? Uh, looking at some of the stats, too, in that stretch of five games, the Revolution are out, outscored 13 to 8. 
uh, and four of those were three goals against. It's uh, not necessarily an issue scoring. I think the issue has definitely been keeping the ball at the back of the net. I know there's been rotation with the goalkeeper as well, with Earl, Earl Edwards Jr., who started out the season pretty hot uh, and then kind of hit a, hit a pretty deep slump. Brad Knighton's been good. I guess uh, first Red Bulls, I thought he was fantastic. Was um, very good in that game. I felt. Yeah. Um, it, and then we go to tonight, and I think it's uh, a bit of a different story. I think he could have done yeah. a bit better, but you can't put it all on him either. Um, you know. I think those first two goals were not his fault at all. Really, um, I think like he really couldn't have done anything. I think obviously he wants that third goal back, um, yeah. but that also, I mean, like, look, they're asking you know, guys who are not, uh, have not historically been starters, at least in the last however many seasons, you know, to be a starter right now, because they're starting goalie, you know, who is the defending MLS goalie of the year, who, you know, in, the stats on him, just the number of goals that he just takes away, you know, from other teams over the course of a season, you wonder if he had been playing in any of these games, you know, one or two of them probably has a different result in some cases, because he makes an extra save. So, you really can't, in my opinion, underemphasize the absence of Matt Turner. But of course, that's going to be the reality starting later this season. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I, that is that is a thing that they're going to, um, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to deal with. Yeah. And so you mentioned, of course, Matt Turner being out there. There was other rotation pieces, I guess, that had started tonight. Uh, Justin Runnix, um, who I think had uh, his best his best game in a revolution uniform so far. I mean, we haven't seen a whole lot of minutes from him. Uh, he's typically last season, last couple of years, he's been the last, what, 10 minutes of a game, if that. Uh, but Ryan Spaulding came in as well for Brandon Bay. Uh, I meant to look this up and Hayden, maybe you can correct me, but I didn't see anything going on with Brandon Bay. Was Did he pick up a knock or anything that we know of? So I, I asked Bruce about that in the post game. And he said that, you know, in typical MLS injury designation terminology, you know, when asked directly, he said, yeah, he did. He did pick up a knock. We didn't get any idea what it is or when it was. Um, but since I was allotted the last question in the press conference, I wanted to, on top of asking him actually about Justin Rennix, I wanted to make sure I got a, a, a preface in there about like, it did brand, what's Brandon Bias deal basically, because there wasn't anything from what I saw in the buildup to uh, anything that would have uh, alerted us to any possibility that he wouldn't be playing today, which obviously fundamentally changed you know the the defense which as we've we're just talking about has been struggling for a prolonged period of time so you know now just throwing in another injury another change the forcing um you know dewan who's been maybe the, one of the definitely one of their standout players i think so far yep. this season into a position that he's way less familiar with um yeah you, you can't you know that obviously had a big role too but it's funny yeah i mean we talked about renix like he actually, you know, like in a normal circumstances, I guess, and I think Sebastian Legette said after the game, like normally if you score two goals away from home, you expect to get something out of that game. And yep. he's right. And because, the, and, you know, it had that been the case, Justin Rennix would really be the sort the kind of maybe even the main takeaway, just like his, the way that he played, he scored a goal and then drew the penalty. I mean, yep. you know, that he answered what should have been in a lot of ways, the big question mark tonight, because without Bo and books in the lineup, he really led the, led the line. Right. And in regards to Renex too, I, I hope that this is like a stepping stone for him because uh, personal, I'm a big fan of Justin Renex. I like seeing him succeed. I've been watching his story ever since uh, he was in the, it was a U 20 
World Cup uh, when they beat France and he scored the game-winning goal. And he was actually just a guest on this podcast where he got to, to talk about uh, scoring that goal and how that was his career highlight. And, I mean, I can't imagine you're going to get much better than uh, scoring the game-winning goal against France in a U-20 World Cup. Uh, that's that's a pretty exciting moment. Yeah, uh, it, It's nice to see him, you know, really spreading his wings and, and feeling comfortable. He's he's looking ready and he's looking up for it. Um, I, I guess Red Bulls as well. He looked pretty decent, right? He wasn't a game changer and he still is not necessarily a game changer, but he's getting into those spots. And we know from his time at Revs too, that he can score the score goal. Uh, hopefully he's putting the pieces together. It's looking good. That, especially right now, it's a time where we, we could really see, really use a player like Justin Rennicks to, to really start to flourish when, you know, Adam Books, of course, serving his red card suspension. Gustavo Bo out for supposedly a few weeks. A few weeks, uh, yeah. You know. Again, we, we, you know, you can be listed as probable and be out until like, you know, oh August or something by MLS designations. It is kind of crazy. The injury reports are insane uh, in this league. Uh, the lack of detail um, and just the guessing game. And that's kind of where we are right now with a lot of players, including I think Matt Turner's now back to training. But who knows? Are we going to see him? This week, are we going to see him in a month? I don't know. Are we going to ever see him play again? Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, you know, and and I think with Renix, what is really um, good about him right now in terms of his value to the team is just his work rate, regardless of, you know, uh, whether or not he actually delivers and, and gets a goal. I mean, we saw that a little bit with Red Bulls. Obviously, the result went against them, but that was just on a fluke. But, like, yeah. on the night, like, he – um, you know, and, and again, tonight as well, along with delivering goals, like he just works really hard and he's a player who, you know, is just, you know, presses well when they need that and does a lot of things that, you know, other players who are maybe more veteran in the lineup who, you know, um, are certainly like, you know, established and, and pass the ball really well, maybe, but like, they don't all like get around the way that he does. And I think, you know, you look at their lineup, especially tonight. And of the attacking players, I mean, Renix is maybe one of the only guys who like definitively kind of wins a foot race, you know, like yes. in, in, in different, uh, some of those circumstances. I mean, like as good as Lejet and McNamara and Hill are, you know, they're not, none of them are known for their speed. And obviously that's just, you know, one of many attributes, but, um, and, and those guys all pass the ball really well. Heel's case, literally the MVP. So, you know, it's, it's fine, but you do want players out there who, you know, like Renix can, you know, provide options for those passers and, and give them a target sometimes and just relying on the outside backs to provide the width or to provide pace in the final third. I think you, you can't, you can't win like that necessarily. So um, and, that, and, and I don't think Renix is a barn burner, right? He's not going to no, uh, no, no, win no. any, any cross country races or anything, but he's, he's got a quickness to him that you kind of need in yeah. the box. He's, he's not like a clunky striker. He's, he's, he's agile and he's quick. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, it, he's savvy with his movement. I will say also though, I mean, like for everything that we're saying about him tonight, you know, I think he had 24 touches in like 82 minutes, which is like not that many. I think like Josie had one more in just 45 minutes. So, I mean, like, you know, for all the good work that he does, a lot of it is without the ball. But um, I think especially after losing a player like Teal Bunler, Bunbury last year, you need a player to kind of have that kind of work rate up front. Um, and they've been, kind of missing that maybe so Renix could provide that for them. I do. I'd, I'd say that the best stat I think on Justin tonight was that he did score one goal and his expected goals from on target was uh, 0.17. So 
that's a pretty good conversion rate right there. So, so good on Justin. Uh, congrats on him for having a, a fantastic night. Um, but there were some other rotation bases that we want to talk about too. Uh, we are, we mentioned Brad Knighton already, and we're familiar with Brad Knighton at this point. I think we're all kind of uh, okay with him being the 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 backup goalkeeper for the Revolution. You know, he, we know what he brings. He's consistent. He's reliable. For the most part, he's not going to lose you a game. Maybe he did tonight, but you know, there there should have been two other goals that shouldn't have even been shots so uh i don't know if you want to put the blame on brad but additionally i wanted to talk about tommy mcnamara and arner tristison they're not necessarily rotation pieces i guess one of them is going to be your your starter uh in the in the main 11 i don't know which one between the two of them in my opinion i think they're both underwhelming uh so far this year i'd like to see a little bit more of uh uh, uh wilford cap but obviously i think He's fallen out of favor with Bruce Arena, so maybe we're not going to see that. Um, but Tommy McNamara and Arnold Tristison, do you have any thoughts on on how they performed tonight? Um, you know, with Tristison, he you you know he was involved in the in the first goal. Um, he made that really awesome little heel flick to get around to get the ball and like you know move around the defender. And then I think he also provided the pass that sprung Dewan down the right to then set up the goal. I, I might be. Um, I think that was him, but I can't remember that, that part. Um, but either way, like, you know, he, he did some things, but I, I did feel tonight that just like a lot of the times when you see him play, like, you know, you talked about players who maybe weren't all on the same page. I do kind of just get that feeling watching him a little bit. And, um, you know, he, yeah, I, that's almost it, always been his story too, right. With the revolution so far is that he's like just there, but the, that final piece doesn't seem to click into place. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, again, like of the players kind of in the midfield, you know, what he had 34 touches in like 56 minutes, that's, you know, that that's not unlike Captoom sometimes when he's on the field where, you know, they're, they're out there, but they're not really, you know, interacting with the game as much as you would maybe expect for someone mm-hmm. who's literally a center midfielder. Um, and so it's not that Trustison necessarily did anything, um, that badly tonight. I, I do feel that um, his defensive ability isn't as great. I think that, um, and he, you know, I, I feel like there are a lot of players on the revs tonight who probably had that, honestly, like they just, you know, they, they didn't really seem to affect Miami's buildup play that much and, and, you know, to disrupt it at all. It was like, they were mm-hmm. kind of just conceding a lot of ground and, you know, you're like, kind of like why they, you know, Miami it's, that's not, you know, 2008 Barcelona over there like you could go you know get at them a little bit maybe and and press them a little more but it just felt like that you know that Rebs midfield other than Polster aren't there there aren't too many guys who will make a tackle and of course I mean with McNamara which which brings me to Tommy McNamara he's not afraid to put in a tackle but I think he's just not maybe he should be yeah yeah exactly maybe he's not your guy for that because he was lucky to not have received a second yellow for absolutely hacking uh, you know, it's a very, a very mighty player down there in, you know, it's still in the first half, uh, was in like the 28th minute, uh, you know, so they could have been down to 10 for, you know, the hour of the game there. Um, so I, I think if I was forced to choose between them, I think at this point, I'm probably still, um, McNamara, but you know, I think it's just because, and I think this is how Bruce is honestly, felt about him in comparison to other players in the past, including like Captoom, is that with McNamara, 
I mean, with the exception of maybe tonight with the like kind of rash yellow, uh, he's a little more reliable and he is someone who will just sort of, you know, he'll just complete a lot of passes and he'll just keep the ball ticking along and keep it moving and not turn the ball over. Having said that, he did that today and he also should have maybe been sent off. So really just, you know, from neither of them, not great stuff, I would say. But again, plenty of blame to go around, I guess. Pl plenty of it. Yeah. Tommy Mack was 94% for passing tonight. Uh, and I think that's, you know, average what you seem to expect from Tommy Mack. And I think he, he brings an element that maybe no other midfielder does kind of possess where he can get into the attack. He can get into the defense. He can make a tackle. He can make a pass. Uh, the only problem is that sometimes he's a little bit too, you know, wild about uh, his decision-making, I want to say. Um, he's definitely not afraid to go late into a challenge. He's definitely not afraid to be a bit aggressive, which you need that sometimes. Um, yeah. Tonight, wasn't you needed a little bit more finesse, I think. Yeah, and what I will say about, you know, McNamara getting into a little trouble tonight with cards is that that is probably the most notorious thing that happens to Trustison. So, you know, it's not like he's, you know, historically been that much better. So again, it, it's kind of a, if you're, yeah, if you're choosing between them, that that's kind of a close one. I'm probably still uh, McNamara, but it's, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's like in within the margin of error almost kind of. All right. So we actually got a whole bunch of questions uh, from everyone over on Twitter, a couple of questions over on Discord as well. Um, but before I get into listener questions, I did want to take a minute to talk about the sponsor of the podcast, Galasso Kits. Galasso Kits is the go-to place to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home. The passion for the beautiful game doesn't have borders and neither does the selection. Maybe you need uh, some retribution from tonight and maybe you want to root for Miami FC to beat Inter Miami in the Open Cup next week. Well, Galasso has you covered. They have eight pages of lower division or women's league clubs from Miami FC to Orlando Pride, New York Cosmos, Sacramento Republic, or maybe you have your sights set uh, further in the future, uh, World Cup in November. Galasso has a wide selection of classic USA kits or just about any country you're pulling for. And if you head over to GalassoKits.com today, you can get 15% off your order using code REVSRECAP. That's REVSRECAP at checkout for 15% off your order. Thank you to Galasso Kits for continuing to sponsor this podcast. Um, and all right, yeah, I mentioned before, we got a bunch of questions over on Twitter uh, and some on Discord as well. If you ever want to send in a question, please uh, follow us over on Twitter uh, after a game. Send in the questions. Let us know what you're thinking about, what you want us to talk about. Uh, and quick disclaimer before I run through these, uh, both for myself and for, for listeners and for you, Hayden, I did not organize these questions whatsoever. So apologies to everyone <laughs> listening. Um, and if you sent in a question, and I answer it kind of out of order. I apologize for that, but I'm going to jump straight into it. Uh, over on Twitter, Teal Forever says, uh, is this streak about injuries, continuity, continuity, um, buzzard plays, bad luck, or is it something deeper? So uh, I just want to start right with that question. Um, Hayden, what do you think? What's the, what's kind of leading to the streak uh, out of something that, that Teal Forever mentioned or something different? I mean, I think those things can kind of become related to one another. I think like if you get enough of those things, you know, seemingly fluke factors, you know, like the snow compounded with injuries and all this other stuff. And, you know, at a certain point though, the perception kind of can become a reality a little bit, and then it maybe can become something deeper. But I mean, what I would say to that though, is that it's literally Bruce arena and it's, you know, Bruce arena along with, numerous MLS veterans at this point, you know, which it now includes, I mean, Hill's been here enough time and obviously he's, 
Um, I've already cited that he's the defending MLS MVP. And, mm -hmm. you know, you also, you do just still have a lot of people there who have gone through crises before. Um, right. So, you know, I, I think that, I, I think you can chalk a lot of their run right now up to those, you know, stated factors and less about something deeper. I, I don't think we can say something like that yet. Uh, I, I, I agree. It's kind of hard to, to really put your finger on exactly what, what is going on and, and try to definitively say it's this or it's that right now. Um, I think maybe the contributing factor, as I mentioned in my key takeaway was, that, you know, there's a lot of rotation and that could be it. Maybe it's something deeper. Um, and you mentioned that it could become the reality. And, you know, hopefully that's something that does not happen because that, that's an absolute fear that uh, this is this becomes the team that the revolution are for 2022. I don't think it's going to happen. I think once players get healthy, once uh, a lot of the, the roster moves, um, you know, with this new keeper that was signed, um, uh, Georgi Petrovic uh, from Serbia. Maybe he's the answer at a goalkeeper position once Matt Turner moves to Arsenal. There's a, there's a lot of moving paces going on. And once, you know, uh, Adam Buxo, Gustavo Bo, once everyone's healthy and playing well together, this team could be something totally different. And I said it in my key takeaway from the very first match against Portland Timbers. And I, I'm my second time bringing it up since that. Uh, I might have jinxed the club saying that I think this team has potential to be better than last year. So, uh, I, I have I have a history of cursing the club, so I, I apologize if I if I'm the curse here. But I, I mean, what I'll, what I'll just say though is, I mean, first of all, I don't think it. I don't think this is on you. You know, um, just oh, in general. Thank you, thank you. Um, but you know, to that point though, and I know this has been brought up um, before, uh, and it will continue to be brought up again. But uh, you know, it's like the number of one goal wins that they had last year, and just the you know the track of that team just utterly you know, checking all the boxes whenever asked basically, but always by like small mark or a lot of the time by small margins. You know, I mean, that was always, you know, bound to regress this year. And so, I mean, that's what, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you're going to go through a crisis uh, you want that to happen now, basically, so that you kind of look, you know, you go through these and who knows, like they, they're not, you know, they might not pull out of this, this might turn into the team and this might be a bad year. That is possible. But I do think that, you know, there's just too many of these things have gone down where even like today, I mean, like that third goal, I mean, that, that just felt like against the run of play. It felt like as soon as the refs tied it, they would go on to win. And the track of the game seemed to be moving in that direction. And then it was just sort of like one thing happens and even the inner workings of that goal. I mean, it just, I don't know, it like slides under Knighton. Like how does, you know, that, that doesn't really happen a lot. So, you know, you're like, you can keep saying like at some point this sort of will reset, you know, to the, what you would expect to sort of happen at least a little more and it will sort of even out. So I, you know, but either way, that's a very long winded way of saying, I don't think this is on you, you know, I'm saying. I appreciate that. Well, uh, on the, similar, uh, similar to this, to that question, um, Oscar Libreros, uh, Libreros, I don't know how to say it. I apologize if I'm butchering that. I probably am. Uh, what's to know who's to blame for this bad stretch? Is it more the players or is it coaching? And I think that's a pretty interesting uh, proposition. I think maybe it comes down to coaching if you want to put a blame on it. If you have to go one way or the other, uh, I think Bruce maybe has had a poor start to the season. I've been very, uh, I think he's been make, making quite questionable substitutions, uh, deciding when to use them, if to use them, and who to use them on. I think tonight was fine with the substitutions, but 
other than that, I think it's been pretty uh, questionable. And overall, I think maybe not having the best lineup ready to go at all times. And uh, the deal with Andrew Farrell not playing in Pumas. So because of that, all of a sudden he can't play in Charlotte because he didn't travel with the team. I thought that was a little bit interesting. Um, there's, there's a lot of questionable decisions. If I had to blame someone, I, I guess I'm going more coaching. Um, but it, it's hard hard to pick one way or the other. I don't know. Hayden, do you have a, a an opinion there? I mean, I sort of reject the the binary nature of the question a little bit. I think, like, you know, it, yeah. uh, of course, like, you know, it's always ultimately going to be on coaching or management, you know, leadership, um, you know, with Bruce. Um, because, you know, I mean, he's the one who's picking the lineup. He's the one who is making decisions on signings. And, you know, obviously the last uh, two years of transfers have not maybe panned out the way that they would have wanted to. Um, so you could start with that even, you know, if you want, depending on how far out you'd want the lines to kind of be on this tracing, you know, this all the way to down there. But Bruce also is, you know, sort of, as they would say, like a player's coach. Um, and so, at a level, you know, he really does trust players to just be professionals. And of course, that's the thing that the players have always loved him for. And that's something that he received a ton of credit for rightfully uh, yep. last year and 2020. And, and especially in 2019, when he first showed up, I think is the stark contrast was really what helped turn things around. So, but when things don't go well, you know, who's that on then? So I think, you know, Bruce, I mean, today, you know, he's, he didn't, didn't mince words um, in saying that, you know, goalkeeping could have been better in this stretch. And we've had a couple people that have been called on that haven't been able to get the job done in all mm -hmm. honest, honesty. Um, you know, he, he, you know, he is unsparing, but at the same time, like he, he does support players. And so, I mean, I think there's, there's an honest relationship there, but I think if I was, you know, again, forced to choose here, um, you know, I think this probably is still more on Bruce, but um but it's also, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of no one's fault in some ways because it's like, you know, whose fault is it when guys get hurt? You know, I mean, like that's, yeah, yeah. that's a tough one to account for. And they have, that has been one of the larger, um, you know, subplots with why they've been sort of behind. So, um, you know, I don't know. It, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a tough one. And quick side note on, on getting hurt. Thankfully, there's no questions about frostbite tonight. So we don't have to worry about addressing that. Uh, <laughs> There's a couple of other questions on this topic. Uh, Mike Kennedy on Twitter. Is this losing skid a reflection of bad luck and injuries, or is it an indicator of not having the right mentality? I think we kind of already touched on that a bit. Um, and Randy LH on Twitter uh, wants to know, we've had more bad luck and injuries than we did in 2021, but it really feels like something is off in the team, particularly on defense. Any thoughts on what's going on? So uh, those two questions kind of tie together. We've answered a majority of that, I think. But the other piece is, is there some sort of mentality thing going on or is there something else going on with the defense because i as we mentioned earlier in this five game skid the the revs have still scored uh, eight goals in that span but conceded 13 which is uh it's kind of a lot um do you have any thought on is, is it mentality is it uh, it's hard to really say i guess right well i mean like you know when um obviously turner has played in none of these games so that's like you know, again, I feel like you, you just always have to preface any discussion of that with that fact, because until he leaves for Arsenal, he is a Revs player. And so you're like, well, you would expect that, you know, your goalkeeper of the year would be, you know, the 
the main shot stopper, you know, doing this at an elite level. And, you know, again, that's right away. That's a difference between 2021 if we're comparing that. Um, but then, you know, I think initially those letdown games, uh, Salt Lake, and then obviously the away game in, in, uh, against Pumas, you know, you had a backup pair of center backs in there um, and they, um, or I, I guess uh, in, in Pumas you did, you know, but either way, you've been sort of rotating in. I mean, even today, like Omar Gonzalez uh, is out there getting minutes again and, you know, maybe doesn't have the best 10 seconds of his life in the sequence to the lead up to that third goal. Um, and, you know, I mean, uh, to me, that's, you know, the depth, whereas last year, all of the depth pieces, you know, the revs didn't play back to back same starting 11s until I think like August or something last year, this year, it feels a little more like they need to do that in order to win. Because like, especially at the back, it doesn't seem like, you know, they, they have depth that's playing at the same level, at least, um, you know, I mean, I, I know that Spalding was kind of forced into it today. Um, and, you know, did the best that he could um, and then, you know, had to go off, obviously, um, you know, and that's that's a tough spot to be in as a player. But obviously, you know, I don't think he did that well, um, especially, you know, it, it looked like he was out of sync. There was one sequence where Tommy McNamara was seemingly kind of frustrated with like he wasn't overlapping. And mm-hmm. um, so, you know, I don't that's that's a that's kind of a tough one. I don't, I don't think it's like a mentality so much. I think it's again, just, you know, a continuation of what we've been saying. It's just like, you know, they've, they've had to throw people in and they just haven't been able to click, I guess, but it's all goes without saying that they're also missing their, maybe their best piece of their defense, which is their goalie at the, at the back of it. Yep. And I, you know, I think the goalkeeper is such a big piece to the defense that uh, maybe uh, unsung hero so much. If not, that's kind of a, a cliche thing to say, I think, but it, such an integral piece to, to coordinating the back line and getting everyone on the same page uh, and playing with Matt Turner for several years now, uh, at least Henry Kessler and Andrew Farrell, that trio right there, they, they know each other very well. They have a very good, uh, a very good chemistry, you know, back to my key takeaway that uh, maybe doesn't quite exist so much when, when Brad Knighton's in there for whatever reason. And it could be small, minute things that just kind of get magnified when one one mistake happens um, and it, that could be a lot of it. And it's also, I mean, we talked about this too. Yeah. I think you brought it up that Matt Turner just makes those saves and, and he really buys goals for the revolution. And, and maybe the defense is actually this poor in general when Matt Turner's in net. And maybe that's partly why Matt Turner gets uh, to showcase how good he is so much. They um, also do. Um, so just to add one more thing. They yeah, also yeah. do play a fairly, aggressive and higher defensive line, which when, you know, which I've kind of wondered about this year, because especially with, you know, with other, you know, like Tejan out of the lineup and, you know, um, uh, Teal gone now when, you know, when he would play that press doesn't maybe have as much oomph, you know, and the forward part of it. And so if you don't like succeed with the press, um, you know, at the front end of it, and you're playing a high line, you are inevitably inviting, you know, a trouble, you know, if nothing else for your center backs. And I did actually think today, Henry Kessler played an excellent game. I thought he was on the spot to put out a number of fires for them. Um, you know, just, just sort of not last ditch tackles, but just, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, we better take care of this right now, you know, like low key, um, you know, kind of panic a little bit um, to deal with stuff because, 
they're put on an island a lot of the time. And so that's, mm-hmm. yeah, that could be part of the issue a little bit. Quick, quick Henry Kessler question for you, because uh, I don't think anyone's asked about it. Do you think he deserved that yellow that he got later in the game? Because I thought that it was a little harsh, but uh, maybe if you're going to give it to him, I think you got to give it to both players. I was, I was kind of a little, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's, maybe Henry Kessler just developed a reputation for himself of being a bit more dirty. That well, could be I, it. But I mean, I think, uh, I mean, I, this is anecdotal. I, I don't actually know if this is true or not. And I'm sure, honestly, that whoever, I don't remember the MLS ref's name, but I'm sure he's never been on Twitter to see that video of Henry Kessler throwing the ball or whatever. But, <laughs> you know, at a certain point, like, I guess, like, you know, you play those games enough if you're Henry Kessler and, and you're going to get a ref who, by chance is just going to say, all right, well, that's a yellow for that. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't necessarily know if you read too much into it because um, yeah, as you said, like, I don't think he did anything egregious. He was kind of jawing at him. And, you know, I mean, it was maybe a silly choice because like, you know, if you're at that point in the game, like, why, what are we, what are we doing here? But right. um, you know, yeah, it was, I don't know. It, give or yellow take, card right? accumulation is going to be something that Kessler is going to have to watch out for in this season. So, right. Yeah. So, but he's going to get those anyway. So yeah, maybe he could have avoided this one, but also, I don't know, like if that's what gives him an edge as a defender, you know, to like be doing stuff like that every once in a while, there are worse versions of that. So yes, you know, if that's what it takes, then, you know, that's, I guess that's doable. And then, you know, we wouldn't have got the memes if not for that, you know, that's the mentality. So, you know, in the long run, I'd say it may be worth it from a fan's point of view, but. All right. Well, we got a couple of questions um, that were Pretty much the same as that question. Uh, Matthew Skillen on Twitter says, is it time to panic? Uh, and David Sevillan on Twitter says, uh, uh, he asked it last week too, and he wants to know, can we hit the panic button now? Uh, and before we answered that question, there was a couple of comments I wanted to bring up. One was uh, from another Twitter user, Traeger Dorati. I apologize, Traeger. Um, but he I just, he was tagged in, the, in that question. So he responded saying, it may be time to hit the panic button. So Traeger saying yes. Um, two losses to two of the worst teams in the league is not good. This team has Atlanta Falcon vibes all over it. I completely disagree with that comment. Um, <laughs> but then the other comment I wanted to bring up was actually from Sebastian Legette in the post-game interview. Sebastian says, uh, I have been through this before and have bounced back, and the team that I had been on bounced back. So I am not panicking. It's just a shame. And I think that's a pretty good way to look at it. And I, I'm in the same boat. I'm still not panicking. I'll panic if this team cannot get healthy and get on the pitch. I'm panicking if this team is healthy and on the pitch and still getting the same results and still giving up late goals. That's when it becomes a real big issue. Hayden, anything? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, these are professionals, you know, I think people, um, you know, I was reminded of that watching like college basketball recently where it's like, you're dealing with, you know, ultimately kids out there. And so the bright lights come on sometimes and like, you know, a run starts going against them and like, yeah, you know, you got to manage that a little more, but with like professionals, I mean, obviously, you know, their mentality is just a little, you know, they're, they stay even keeled more of the time. And so I think like, you know, it, in an MLS season, you know, Bruce obviously had that quote in, in 2019, that was like in, in MLS, the second half of the season is the season. And I just keep thinking about that um, in this circumstance because Yeah. You know, I mean, if you can just have a good couple of weeks at some point and get on like a little bit of a run, you've basically erased the hole that they've fallen into here, especially in the grand scheme of the playoff picture. Uh, You know, obviously, if you are pushing for another supporter shield, uh, you know, MLS record, that might be a little shot at this point. But, um, you know, I mean, 
it, it's it's by no means yeah at, at no point i feel like unless you are basically mathematically eliminated should you panic in an mls season because you're you know one or two wins away from leapfrogging many places up the standings so uh, and I mean, there's teams every year i think more specifically in the west that where you see teams struggling all year and then they just make it into the playoffs at the end and can go on a run or if you want to look at 2019 2019 revs i think it was 2019 2020 um, 2020 is that when, when bruce came in well, so what, you're right i was also going to point to 2020 as an example of, of a late playoff run in and of itself yep. but you're you're right in terms of the season turnaround they started terribly and then they still made it yep yeah and it, it, it always happens so a panic button is still not being pressed it's on the table but i'm not i'm not pressing it i'm not i'm not opening up the you know the plastic casing that's that's still on there i'm not quite rushing to that but uh on alert we'll put it that way <laughs> uh we got another question from trigger Dorati on twitter and trigger thanks for this question it has started quite the discourse in the revolution recap uh group chats uh kind of divided as far as where to go with this but Traeger says, I hear Gareth Bale is available on a free transfer in the summer. If the Revs are serious about committing to to the on-the-field product and Buxa leaves, I think they need to make a move for him. What do you think? And, I mean, I'm in the camp. I'm going to go right off the bat and say, of course, if you can get Bale, go for it. I don't think you necessarily, like, back up the Brinks truck and give him everything and try to get him here. But if he just comes up and says, hey, I would like to come to MLS, and he's on a free transfer, I mean, it, can it hurt? I don't think so, uh, especially if you have a DP slot open. Sure, why not? But uh, I don't think I'd waste much time kind of dreaming about it. Um, and besides, Gillette Stadium, turf pitch, I, I don't know if that's necessarily the best thing for Gareth Bale. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you want to see Gareth Bale come here, Hayden? Uh, any Any opinion? I mean, from, you know, just the standpoint of, like, a player who would be um... – super interesting and notable to cover on a regular basis. Sure. Yep. So from a purely biased, you know, local journalist standpoint, I would love it if Gareth Bale came to the Reds. Yes. I think from uh, any kind of soccer analysis standpoint, I really am not sure if he's what the team needs more of, you know, I mean, at this point um, in his career and uh, so, but I don't know. I mean, like, I, I just don't, I, I don't really think there is a scenario where Gareth Bale walks up to the revs and is like, Hey, I would love to come to new England. Uh, yeah, no, you know, and I, I just, I don't know, like, and that's nothing against the revs as an organization, obviously. Like, I just don't think Gareth Bale is doing that to maybe any, any MLS team, let alone right. you know, the revs or some of these other teams, but like, he's probably doing that with maybe a team, you know, in LA or in a place where he maybe wants to just, you know, go spend some time in America or something. I think that's usually the route of how this works, just historically speaking. So um, I don't know how much, how likely that scenario is where it's like they could get him without having to overpay essentially, um, which I mean, at that point, that's really just Robert Kraft's money. So, Hey, do what you want. But um, I also don't think that's like the type of singular impact transfer that will, definitively put them over the top in 2022 uh, 100% and I mean you said it too it's, it's Robert Kraft's money so it'd be a DP 100% right I guess at that point who really cares if he gets people to buy tickets and that's what Robert Kraft sees and says you know what let's do it go for it but again I mean I, 
I think it's just almost a pointless discussion. And by the time that he's ready to to come to MLS, I don't know if you're going to want Gareth Bale at that point. Uh, Unless you're trying to sell tickets. And that has never been something that the Revs have been after, except for reminding you at at the 70th minute of every single match to buy a season ticket. Uh, (laughs) Other than that, they don't do a whole lot of promotion to try to get people to watch to to watch the games or to, to sit in the seats. So I, I don't really know if that's that's not going to be the move that they make, right? I mean, I think Jermaine Jones was maybe the last, like, stunt signing. And it wasn't so much of a stunt either, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and that's the thing is, like, they if you're going to bring in, like, a name, um, you know, I, I actually, I mean, I say this is I don't, like, have, like, a name in mind, obviously. But if you're going to yeah. do that, um, yeah, I mean, you want it to be someone who can help you win now because that's exactly what this team is right now. So, I mean, you know, if you get bail this summer, like, sure, maybe that, you know, would be a cool thing to watch because, you know, maybe, I mean, also like, what's the deal with his health? It might be just another veteran who, you know, is like coming in and maybe can't play every game or whatnot. I mean, is that, again, is that really what you think is going to, you know, make a huge difference for the team? But yeah, again, yeah. In the scenario where he just like walks up to him and is like, I would love to make this happen. Like, yes, you do that. Absolutely. And, you know, you just you worry about it later. But <laughs> I mean, if he I comes to where he says, I want somewhere that has weather slightly better than Wales uh, <laughs> with worse beaches, uh, you know, we're here. Uh, um, you know, he's going to he's going to love the Cape, you know, um, yeah. until, until it gets to be like, you know, I don't know, October or something. And then, you know, who for knows, the two but... months that you can go to the Cape and enjoy it, right. it's going to be fantastic. Uh, you know, it, I mean, you can always fly back to France for vacation or wherever Europeans go. Or just to golf. I'm I'm told he loves to do that. That's true. Yeah. Playing. You know, so. uh, nothing like uh, New England golf in the off season and in December. So, right. <laughs> uh, we have plenty of indoor driving ranges, though. So maybe maybe. Um, and, uh, real quick, I wanted to say, uh, Josh, Josh and I from the Bent Musket, he also asked uh, the question about the panic button. So sorry, I forgot to to mention your name before, but. Josh, thanks as always for uh, for submitting your feedback. Uh, so many questions. I'm still un- unsure where I want to jump to next, uh, but I think there's there's a few different comments that kind of go over the same thing, right? And and I'm going back to Traeger Durati and David Sibillian on both of these. Um, Knighton dropping the ball on the goal was surprising, considering how good he's been uh, at holding onto the ball this season. That was from Traeger. David says something. Similar, besides the last goal, I thought Knighton was well enough. Uh, thoughts? And I think we kind of went over this. Like, yeah, I think Knighton's, Knighton's done what we kind of expected for, for him to do. Uh, both of them also had the same other question as well. So I'm going to bring up both of those questions. Uh, I thought they played well with three in the back, but I'd need to see it more to know for sure. Uh, they also don't have the depth to sustain it. Very good point. Uh, and that was a trigger comment. And David said the same thing about three center backs. I feel like the Revs played better when switching to three center backs. Thoughts? Uh, so three center backs, Knighton, uh, anything to add uh, to those questions or comments? Um, well, I mean, just whenever we talk about uh, formations, I just think about Bruce talking about formations and just Sam Minson would love it. Yeah. You guys in your formations, I can't do it for sex, <laughs> but you know, it's like he would, so you know, he calls geniuses or something. And um, I, I, I always love those, those, uh, those press conference moments. Um with Bruce actually, I mean, to be honest, like he's been really good and very, I guess, uh, you know, talkative after the last two losses, which is normally Mm -hmm. what you would not expect to happen. But, you know, I think that's where he's, I think he's not panicking because he's 
still very philosophical after these losses. I think that's if if people are looking for something as a sign, I think that's um, one you know something to read into maybe. But I think that um, you know I I um, I think like with Bruce, you know, he changed systems twice in the second half. There, um, you know, they started. Um, you know, the, with the halftime subs, they were playing one striker to start the game. Then they brought on Josie at halftime um, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, then changed again to three at the back for the final, basically like more than half hour of the game. And, you know, I think they did look good. I just also will say, though, that I don't necessarily think uh, Miami did a whole lot to really put them under too much sustained pressure because that's not really how they were playing so i think like they still surrendered a goal to lose the game um but you know i i i think again that wasn't necessarily down to the formation or you know anything about that i think that was just down to individuals just not getting it done in the moment and then you know they gave up a kind of a a goal that everyone would want back but um i agree though i mean i think they looked all right i just i don't necessarily know if i would want too many minutes from omar in a back three, I think you're asking him to do potentially a lot of lateral running that I'm just not sure he would, you know, especially with the, with the high line that you mentioned too. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's another part of that, that they would maybe have to rethink because you don't always want to do that with a back three, you know, playing such a high line like that. But I will say it does allow them to play potentially two strikers pretty easily. Yep. Uh, three central midfielders, like they seem to kind of want to do at least. Um, you know, with Hill kind of maybe at the top of that in like a triangle and then playing Brandon and Dewan as more naturally attacking players, which is what they're both, you know, have backgrounds doing. So it does kind of get the best out of a lot of the players that you have there, but I'm just not sure if you can do that. I mean, especially when you bring in a player like Petrovic, who, you know, potentially is the guy in goal, it's like, you're going to be trying to building chemistry with a back line or you do want to do that changing between different systems. I don't know if Bruce would want to do that, but I agree. It's, it's intriguing for sure. Yeah. And I, I think it's a good point to mention uh, uh, how much on the attack the revs were once they did move to the, to the three at the back. And it's because they needed to put the pressure on. Um, that's what they, that was their game plan. They were trying to get uh, to get the winner. I mean, it, it showed that they were actually, they're going for it. Um, and Miami invited it and maybe it was their game plan to invite the pressure and say, we're going to catch you on the counter and get a score of fluky goal. Um, but you know, 63% possession for the revs, a lot of that coming in the second half. Um, and so it's, it's hard to really gauge exactly how the three at the back, um, worked in, in this scenario. Um, so I'm glad that you brought it up like that. Uh, I want to go to Rennie Swan on Twitter. Uh, Rennie says, are we what our record indicates? Is it still early? Which I think we kind of answered that. Yes, it is early. Uh, but And we seem dry and stale. Who brings the sauce now that Tejan is at Bruges? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, we've, like we said, it's it's early. Are we what our record indicates? That's Again, it's maybe too early to really even say that. Um, I think the Revs have definitely played better than what they're Records show they've suffered a lot of late goals that uh, have been unfortunate. I believe the opener in Portland, right? They didn't they suffer a late goal there too to not come away with three points. Um, yeah, I, th I forget the exact track of that, but I, I think you are. I think that's correct. Um, yeah, it, it's been kind of the 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 theme of the season so far. Um, 
But I think yeah, the, they, the best question that Rennie says is, is who brings the sauce now that Tejon's at Bruges? Yeah, they, they were up. They gave up a 78th-minute goal in uh, in Portland. Okay, so final 15 know. still. Yeah. No, I mean, and, uh, you know, of the four losses uh, recently, um, or I guess just in the season, in, in MLS, in regular season games, uh, three of those was – I saw the stat from Jeff Lemieux – three of those losses were in goals that came in the 80th minute or later. So, um, you know, and including the last two games that they've been in. Um, I think like, you know, in terms of who is kind of dynamic in their lineup, which I guess is what that, you know, who brings the sauce, um, you know, technical term. um, I think, uh, you know, Gustavo Bo, when he's healthy, absolutely um, has always, you know, (laughs) leads the league in sauce for large stretches of time um, and some of the things that he'll do. And I think, you know, definitely from everything that we've seen from Dewan Jones this year, um, you know, is, I know that's asking a lot of, of an outside back, but, you know, I, I think new England's lineup, I mean, the way Bruce likes to play is to have those outside backs always involved. Um, and I think, you know, he has really, really matured every game that you see him play. Um, you know, he was a little quieter today, but he was also playing out of position. Um, yep. And so that's tough to do, but, you know, on, on his natural side, I mean, I don't really see anyone who really stays with him, you know, end to end, you know, running back and forth. Um, I think him and, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, books, doesn't really, I don't know with books. It's, I don't know if it's like sauce, but it's like, you know, it's like uh, some sort of, you know, potatoes or something. I don't know. It's you like know, a dry I mean, rub or something. Yeah. Or... It's, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like some sort it makes of it better, uh, but it's not necessarily, yeah, yeah. it's, you know, it's, there's a lot of <laughs> substance there, you know, it's um, but you know, it, it's yes. maybe not like necessarily sauce, I guess, but um, I, I, I mean, totally get what you're saying. Obviously Carlos does that too, but I, I see what they're saying. I mean, like the thing is someone like legit uh, does have that. And we've seen yes. that in flashes, you know, like he, he was on, un- he's been unlucky to score a couple times. You know, they had a really good move um, against Red Bulls um, in that game where it resulted with him kind of, I think getting denied at point blank range. And it was, he was like right there. I mean, like, you know, if they, if he's a little more direct at times, then I think that's where they can find another Avenue to some of these goals too. Yeah. Great. The legit take too. I mean, I think that's something that no one's really talking about. Uh, and I don't think there's any question whatsoever. We haven't really talked about legit too much, but uh, I think his impact in the game has really kind of fallen off from what he was providing at the beginning of the season. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily him directly or if it's the players around him and the formations and everything else going into that. But uh, that's a good point, too. When when the Revs looked dangerous at the beginning of the year, Sebastian Legette was heavily involved in a lot of that, excuse me, in a lot of that build-up play, uh, in, including, uh, I think, but he had two two goals, I think, already this year. One of them was uh, CCO. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to move on to James Downing over on Twitter. James has uh, several questions here. Um, the first question says, uh, last time Miami scored three was against Cincy in 2021. Are we seriously as bad as Cincy in 2021? Uh, no, I don't think this team is a wooden spoon team at all. I think this team is just suffering from rotation. But uh, I love that you did the research to see when Miami last uh, scored three. Yeah, uh, that's- props, props for digging for that stat. As someone who's done that, uh, enough times, you know, especially like when I'm like on deadline or something, like I respect that hustle for sure. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's an interesting stat to know. And it's a little bit scary to see, uh, that the last time that they scored three was against Cincy, uh, cause that team was pretty dreadful. 
Uh, but this is a totally different Miami team too. So I, you know, maybe I don't know. It, the Revs definitely should not have conceded three goals. Uh, but other topic of Cincy, James also wants to know. Uh, it's a little bit off off topic sidebar here, but thoughts on Brenner demanding out of Cincy and to fill uh, any listeners in that might not know about this. I don't know if there's been a demand. I haven't heard of that per se, but I know that uh, Brenner has been wanting to get loaned to Brazil uh, for the remainder of the season. Uh, and some requests have come in and Cincinnati have uh, denied them. But I think in the end, uh, it's a moot point because there's no not going to have any impact necessarily on the revolution. I know Brenner's been dealing with injuries so far this season. So uh, I don't really have a whole lot of thought about that. I think, you know, if, if Brenner doesn't want to play for your club, I think it's pointless to have to keep someone on and keep paying the money that doesn't want to be there. Um, let him go and move on since he's not winning anything this year. So um, it's not worth hanging on to a player like Brenner, but uh, do you have anything on Brenner before I move on? Um, excellent player when you're in football manager, for sure. Um, yes. <laughs> and you know, that's good to know. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll get him on my, my football manager side, but it's also like, yeah, I mean, if you know, that's, that's, that is part of, on a serious note, I guess that is part of if that's your transfer policy is to like bring in, you know, a very, very talented player like that, who potentially is a much higher profile player than sort of where you are, especially in terms of not like physically, but just like where your team is yeah. in this development, then you have to be very prepared for that relationship to potentially, I don't know if sour, I don't want to like speculate or get ahead of where it actually is and what, what he's actually said or whatever, but like just that in, in hypothetical terms, like, of course that could, always potentially happen and so you just have to kind of be aware like you know if you want to recruit the best player or do you want to recruit the player who is the best player who may also want to actually be here for a couple of years so yeah right and if you're interested in keeping up on the brenner story i suggest following uh uh pat brennan over on twitter uh he follows uh cincinnati and he's uh does an excellent job of doing that um but I'm going to move on from Brenner. I think we got a lot of a lot of rest talk still to get to. Uh, James wants to also know, because he got two more questions here, uh, thoughts on Petrovic. So uh, in case anyone hasn't heard, the Revs have officially signed Georgie Petrovic uh, from Serbia. He played in the uh, Serbian Superliga. Uh, and of course, any Revs fans will know that uh, the Revs have a good history with Superligas. So uh, maybe not the Serbian one, but uh, the CONCACAF Superliga at least. It Maybe that pays out well for, for the Revs. But, yeah, he's coming from uh, FK Kukuriki. I am butchering that beyond anything else. But he's going to join the club pending receipt of his P1 visa and international transfer certificate. Hopefully that happens soon. Uh, I assume we're not going to see him necessarily in net until after Turner goes to Arsenal. But uh, thoughts? I think it's a great move. Uh, I know a lot of people are saying that he takes up an international roster spot and maybe that's not the position you want to spend in an international roster spot on, but I'm also biased as a goalkeeper I think you go out and you spend on a goalkeeper. You need to have that position locked down. And I think it shows the way the revs have played the beginning half of the season. You're allowing three goals a game, uh, four out of five times. That's going to be an issue. I don't care. You just spend some money on goalkeeper. You need to shore that up. You need to get that back line working together. You need, you need some continuity uh, in the back line and goalkeeper. And I think it's a, it's a great, Great move to go out and get a, a young kid that's got a lot of potential, a really high ceiling, and hopefully uh, he can develop just like Matt Turner did uh, from nothing into something. So uh, I'm really high on the move. Uh, Hayden, do you have any thoughts on it? 
Well, I mean, also, you know, with Petrovic, he's he's not. I mean, you know, I understand what you're saying in terms of developing a young player, but you know, he's not nothing in a sense that he's had a cap right. with the. He's a cap player with the Serbian. I think, I think nothing was a bad bad word to use, but yeah, I understand what you're saying though. Like you're building someone up from like a, you know, they're a young player and you're helping them develop. But you know, just I it just I only point that out just in the sense that like, you know, as someone who's capped at legitimate you know, UEFA program like uh, Serbia, I mean, their team, you yeah. look at their roster and I mean, they are, I forget who their world cup group is, but I was like, ah, you know, they, they, they don't look bad. Um, but um, you know, he is a player who also, when I saw the interview, I think it was a WBZ interview with uh, Kevin Hitchcock, who's the revs goalkeeper coach. Um, I don't really think that, um, you know, when you see, Kevin speak like he doesn't seem like the type of guy who's just going to say stuff performatively for like PR just to like make just to like make it sound nice. I mm-hmm. think you're getting the straight talk from him when he says like, you know, he I think it was basically like he watched however many, you know, they had a couple they had a list of like a couple guys and Petrovic was the top guy. He was the guy who Hitchcock wanted. So, you know, that feels like a really good endorsement because, you know, you look at obviously who Kevin Hitchcock has, yeah, I mean, he's helped Matt Turner develop and you look at, you know, his recent track record has been very good. And, um, you know, if they're getting the guy that he wants, you feel like if nothing else, that's just good policy that you're doing. You know, your, your front office is helping your coaching staff get the players that they want to work with. So, um, you know, that, that seems to be a good sign beyond that, obviously, you know, other than a couple highlight clips, like I don't know a ton about him yet, but um the my understanding was he was just waiting on his visa to be approved um and that was supposed to have happened although i that's unconfirmed that that's happened but because he's a cap player i don't know like i I feel i feel like they're gonna get that through um so you know i don't think there's any concern on his transfer obviously Uh, it's just a matter of when he is able to show up and start training and then start playing for them yeah hopefully sooner rather than later and then um to follow up on you mentioned uh, Serbia in the World Cup. They are in Group G with uh, Brazil, Switzerland, and Cameroon. So it's a okay. pretty tough tough group for them. Uh, and uh, curious to see if if um, if uh, Petrovic actually makes the uh, makes a squad if he gets any caps in the World Cup. That'd be pretty interesting too. Uh, I guess who knows. Um, but I think you're in agreement that was a good a good move on the Revs Revs side. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it definitely. As you said, also, I mean, right now, if there ha- if there hasn't been a better demonstration, not only of like what a goalkeeper can provide, I mean, just like the absence of Turner, you know, should be a good um, you know demonstration of that. Where you know, nothing against Edwards or Knighton, they've played admirably, but you'd say they'd played much closer to replacement level. Whereas I think the Revs have gotten pretty used to, you know, well above that level um, over the last couple seasons with Turner. So if you can have someone you can have a real talent and goal that's, you know, you've seen what an asset that can be. hundred um, percent. I'm going to start moving through some of these questions a little bit quicker. I think we're going to be up against the, the clock, uh, but real quick, James Downing had one last point and he says thoughts on Bryant joining America East. Uh, do you have any Bryant's uh, affiliation? Hayden? <laughs> I, I'm not really. <laughs> no? Okay. You know. That's why the, the podcast has some affiliation with it. A lot of the Revs <laughs> fan base has affiliation. Uh, I'll say, me personally, I have zero affiliation. I don't care about uh, a college ball at all. I apologize. That's just not me. Um, but I did reach out to Sean and Greg for comment, and they said they'll address it next week. 
So, Tra uh, uh, I almost said Traeger. Sorry, I was reading Traeger's comment. Uh, James, you're gonna have to wait uh, one more week to get uh, to get some solid feedback on that. Oh, but thanks right, as James. always for your questions. I should have had some uh, some Bryant takes ready to go, but you know, yeah. <laughs> wait for my second appearance for that. That's right. Yeah, you, you come more prepared that time around. Um, I wanted to run through some here. Uh, Matthew Skillen on Twitter also wants to know. He says unrelated a bit, but who are the best prospects in the 2023 MLS Super Draft? And frankly, I have not looked that far ahead quite yet. I don't know if necessarily we need to be looking that far ahead. I think uh, our eyes should be more on uh, Revolution 2, looking at MLS Next Pro, seeing what's coming through the pipeline. I think that's that's going to be where where you want to look and where, where you're going to find talent, because I think any talent that's coming out of the draft at this point is going to be MLS Next Pro type talent, unless you're picking first or second. And I guess maybe that the clip that the revs are heading right now, maybe we're, we're looking at a first or second pick. Hopefully not. Um, so hopefully it's a, it's a moot point, but uh, thank you for your questions, Matthew. Uh, DC says, uh, how, how much longer does Brian have a job for? If we were a big team, he would have been fired by now. Wow. That's a um, pretty, I think that's more a emotional response to, to watching the game because I, I don't know. It's a tough question to really provide a lot of feedback on. I think. Uh, do Do you have any any opinion on that on that question, Hayden? Sorry, on on whose job? Uh, Brian Bolello. I'm assuming that's who DC is talking about, saying that this is any of Brian's fault. I mean, it's hard to really say this is Brian's fault. I mean, he's done everything possible right now to get the team into the position position that it's in. In my opinion, and they're putting in they put in the training facility. Obviously, there's still no stadium. That's going to be an ongoing story for the next 20 years. Uh, but bringing in Bruce Arena, giving him the keys to the kingdom, letting him go, and this is now Bruce Arena's uh, piece. Maybe it was a few years too late to do that, but you know what? He's done that, and that's kind of where we're at. I don't know if necessarily we should be calling for Brian right now. I think that's a bit harsh. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm wrong, though. I don't know if you have a different take than me. No, I, th I completely agree. I think, I mean, he... What I mean, you know, they they set they did set an MLS record for points in a season last year. They did win the supporter yeah, shield half a year uh, ago. Yeah, not that long ago in the grand scheme of time, really. And I mean, you know, I don't know, just give him like a year here to see how this plays out at the end of the season. Um, you know, maybe you think differently, but even then, you'd have to kind of take that in the you know, the greater context of you know, they. They've been to the playoffs, you know, a couple of years in a row now, if nothing else, like, you know, not that long ago, that would have been seen as like a big advancement for the club. And um, yeah, no, that's I that that seems super harsh. I, I think it's just an emotional take because it, it was an emotional yeah. game. It, watching it, right. it was, all of a sudden you get excited and then you get really upset again. And it, it, it's tough. So I can well, understand. Last, however many games have been really uh, you know, emotional, difficult losses. No, you know, just, you know. I understand people being really kind of down after however many last games where it's like, yeah, it's been goals in the 88th minute or later. So I get it. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on from, from that. Thank you, DC, as always for sending in the question. Uh, there is, where's the question right here? Uh, Jamie Rook uh, over on Twitter says, I assume most of these will be negative and you are correct. Uh, so I'll try something positive. Thank you, Jamie. Uh, what are your thoughts on Renick's performance today? And Cameron over on Discord also touched on Renick says Renick's was the only bright spot since Bo is still out. Should Renick start in place of him next to Buxa against Charlotte? 
So what do you think of uh, Rennick's performance today? And should he start against Charlotte next week? Well, I mean, it depends. I mean, again, I guess we'll see what kind of system they want um, and yeah. how they go about it. But if they do play two strikers, um, which does seem to be Bruce's preferred route this year, at least with the personnel, you know, around them. Yeah. Um, I think Bruce even tried to force that last year as well before he rested. Yeah. Right. Which, you know, maybe that's uh, something else we'll be talking about more as this goes along. But I think if you're going to do that, then, yeah, I mean, I think right now, especially after the last after, you know, after this game, like you have to play Renix, um, in my opinion, just because, you know, I mean, again, like not only did he show up in the box score by scoring goals and, and drawing the penalty, which, well, I guess maybe that doesn't show up in the box score, but like, you know, by doing those sort of overt things that you see uh, that are tangible. You know, he, he, like as we were saying, his work rate is also tremendous and he just is a player who can, you know, um, just move around and be mobile and create, you know, a target for um, Carlos Hill and, you know, other players, you know, up top. And and the interplay that he at least tries to do with a player like Josie is really encouraging when he's up there, because I think that's exactly what you want from if you're going to have a, a two man striker you know, unit um, that you're going to play with too, they need to be able to do that sort of interplay quickly in order to, you know, maximize it. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think he, you know, like we were do saying, he, like, do you think he earned it at least to, to get that shot? Oh yeah. No, I mean, he, yeah. I mean, uh, I think like you saw the building blocks of, of it coming mm -hmm. for him in the last game. And then you saw it really come together tonight. I mean, it was a nice finish. He was right. He made a perfect run and he made a good finish. And then, you know, whether whatever you say about that penalty um, and it, you know, was, you know, whatever. Um, I, I still think like, you know, he he won that. You know, I mean, it was close enough that the you know call on the field went his way and you can't take that away from him. So, yeah, no, he's I, I think he's he's earned it. And also because like just in the grand scheme of things, like looks like Bo's going to be out for a while. And it looks like Altador is not a guy that they want to start if they can help it. So that right. seems to kind of naturally sort it out then. So, yeah, you'd have. Renix with Buxa, which I'd actually be excited to see because they both do. I mean, Buxa, you know, he also does work pretty hard for, you know, a guy who scores a lot of goals. So, yeah, I'd be encouraged for that as a, as a starting unit. Well, that, I think that's about it on the positive questions. Um, back back to some negativity. Uh, it came over on Discord. It says, okay, so last week we were a Mickey Mouse club, but not finished. Uh, we're moving closer to the state of being finished frauds. I think that was a question. Are we moving closer to the state of being finished frauds? And uh, no, I think this is just a, a more angry trolling type question. But um, KM, thanks anyways for, for always sending in questions. I, we appreciate it. No, I, this is not closer to being finished. I think maybe when Bruce Arena is not running the squad or in 10 years, if he's still running the squad, maybe at that point, then we can start talking about it. Um, but at this current moment, I don't think we, I don't think there's anything, any, 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 are we any closer to being a finished fraud hidden? I mean, we've, you know, been talking about this in general terms, I guess, in that, no, it's, it's just, you know, even if it had been worse and it was not just like a series of seemingly kind of fluky one goal defeats that they've suffered here. Um, you'd still say that it's April um, and that I don't even know if they were playing official games at this time last year. So it's like, you know, how are you going to write off the whole season when we still have months to go yeah. here and, you know, one or two good weeks will completely, well, not completely, but will 
go a long way to writing the ship here for them. So I, I think you just, you know, you know, they're professionals and I don't think they'll approach it as like we're panicking or something like that. I think they'll just keep grinding. And then at some point, I think, you know, if it's going to come good, if it's the path is open for them, for this team to do that, then, then they'll do that. PUBG potato over on Twitter says the last Miami goal was hideous. I couldn't watch after that. We really need to pull our heads out of our bums. Thank you for self-censoring and start playing. Um, we, we kind of touched on this like several times now, so I'm not going to get into it again, but I did want to read the question. PUBG Potato, love your username, and thank you very much for sending in the question. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, there's several different other questions that are talking about going forward. Uh, what's your expectation? So I'm going to go quickly read through those. Uh, Teal Forever says, I feel like they will turn it around, but part of me fears it's something deeper. I think you kind of touched on that a little bit in your key takeaway. Uh, still unsure where to go on this one. Og over on Twitter says, what are our new expectations for the season? Survive until help in the summer. Uh, and then the last one was from Ava J on Twitter. Should we expect a huge comeback or expect a not outstanding season? So a lot of this is just going, what what do we think is going to happen? Do you have any uh, any crystal ball telling you the future? What's going to what's what's 2022 look like for the Revs? Is it going to continue on this path? I mean, I think it was always going to be a bit of a regression to the mean kind of in, in a way, you know, I mean, as we, yep. we talked about the one goal, the huge number of one goal wins and just in any measurement last year was just literally record setting in regular season, at least. And so you were always, you know, I think like, I don't think it was really possible to come back and do better um, this year. Uh, you also have like, you know, other sort of logistical things thrown in like, the champions league games at the beginning of the season, which really clearly flummoxed their early season preparations and everything that they were trying to do. Um, and then obviously you had the worst possible outcome of crashing out um, mm. after a loss in Mexico city. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, all of those things, you know, lining up, you know, Tejan leaving and Turner, you know, his transfer being announced like right at basically the start of the season for mid season, uh, you know, because I think that just, you know, what you end up with is, yeah, I mean, it was always going to be a more challenging season for them, but I still think like, I don't know, if you look at like uh, 2020, they looked terrible for a lot of the regular, or they just looked like very sort of middling for a lot of the regular season. Mm -hmm. And then they just sort of came together at the end of the year and they went on this amazing run to the Eastern Conference Finals. So, I mean, I mean, it's sort of like, when do you want your momentum? Do you want it to happen in you know, from May through August or whatever, sort of like they had last year, or do you want it to happen more towards the end of the year? Maybe I'm not saying that's how this is definitely going to play out, but you know, if that's the, the kind of trajectory, I think you'd almost rather that that happened towards the end of the year when they kind of get their act together, if and that's how that might play out. You look at New York city, right? They played all of last year where they're unable to really finish and they had more chances than any other team. Uh, for the longest time, I, I, can't, I can't remember his name, and I apologize, but uh, one of the Nashville um, uh, media members was always putting out this this weekly projections of uh, power power rankings, and New York City was always at the top because you know, everyone was giving them a hard time all year. Um, and uh, Ben Wright, Ben Wright's his name, and everyone gave him a hard time because of these these rankings, and uh, I definitely partook in some of the hard hard time given. <laughs> Because I was like, why is New York City at the top? You know, it should be the Revs. Give us some attention for once. You know, it was a lot of that. You know, a lot of just where's our attention. But uh, New York City turned it around. 
at the right time. As you're saying, I, you know, I'm kind of rambling, but uh, New York City turned it around and they got the cup and they got the tiny banner uh, and they got to celebrate. They got, you know, uh, ultimate uh, the ultimate goal. It, that's when you want to put it together at the end of the season. They started scoring their goals. They started finishing their chances. And we can only hope that the Revs kind of pull something similar this year uh, where they start shoring up their back line. They start finishing their chances. I mean, I guess scoring goals is still not necessarily the big issue right now. It's, it's more keeping the ball up out of their own net. But I guess the only other thing that I'll, I'll just add is also it's there's a part of the crystal ball that is by definition still hidden because it's behind the second the summer transfer window, which I think could be, um, you know, I mean, obviously we already know like Turner's going out and Petrovich is coming in, but um, we don't know the future of Adam Buxa and sort of then beyond that, we don't know what they might potentially do to replace him or further add to the squad. On top of that, um, obviously they would, you know, they can't add another designated player in their current version, but um, you know, that, that could play a major swing one way or the other. I mean, if Buxa decides actually I want to stay, then that's a huge boost for the revs because yeah. you know in mls terms he's been excellent um and at different points right. like sort of like you know like unguardable on like set pieces and whatnot you know when he's when he's in the right mood so i mean um you know that that part of it i think is sort of a shoe that still has to drop um kind of one well, and other. with poland uh officially qualifying for the world cup too then maybe that goes into his decision making i know a lot of a lot of people have speculated on social media that this will make his decision to stay in New England a lot easier for him. I don't know necessarily if that's what makes that decision. He's still young. He's still got more chances down the road for World Cup rosters. He's still going to be behind Lewandowski. Uh, so I don't know necessarily if that makes an impact. But if you're in the camp that thinks that, I mean, let me hear from you. Uh, I want to know about it. And uh, I'd love to see Adam Buxa stay in New England for much longer. I mean, I think everyone knows at this point that I'm a I'm an Adam Buxa stan. I have his signed game-worn jersey on my wall. Um, so I, I'd love to see Adam Buxa stick around for, for quite a bit longer. Uh, Slat on Twitter has a, a trolley question, just wants to know why do we suck. Um, I, I, had to, I wanted to ask you a question. We ask everyone's questions here, um, but I don't think that I'm really going to give an answer to that. Uh, Ava J on Twitter wants to know, are we screwed without Turner? Um, and I guess that really depends on on how Petrovic turns out, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's that. I, I think, you know, but the thing is also, and I, I we were talking about this in terms of cohesion between a goal, a goalkeeper and their and you know the back line is that you know that's that's not gonna happen overnight with him either. Like obviously he's gonna get here and he's gonna train with them, I imagine, for a while before he plays. But uh, even when he starts playing, like they're gonna need to develop that chemistry uh, working with him. And, you know, and of course, if there are any other injuries along the line, then they're going to have to account for that, too. So, I mean, you know, that part of it, um, yeah, you know, they're going to have to work that out. But at the same time, you know, I mean, Knighton is generally better than, you know, allowing the type of third goal that he allowed tonight. So if they have yeah. to, you know, throw him out there more, I think that's fine. And honestly, like Earl Edwards, uh, you know, had some big saves and was asked to do some things and. You know, I think like he's probably a, more of a backup, obviously, but, you know, in a game here or there, I think he can definitely, as he showed, like he, he is capable of playing, you know, above what you would expect at different times too. So. Yeah. I think Earl Edwards is a, such an interesting case. Cause I think he makes the saves you don't expect him to make. 
And uh, unfortunately for him, I think he kind of allows some goals that maybe are ones he expects him to save. Um, but that, I think, pretty much does it for questions. Uh, Randy LH wanted to know if it's time to start prepping for fantasy football. Go for it. I mean, I guess it's never too early for that. Uh, but then again, I haven't followed uh, uh, NFL in several years now, so I don't really, I don't even know when the draft is this year. Is that is that coming up soon? Do you know? You know, it's the 28th. My sort of my regular day job that is like a lot of the stuff that we end up doing so um perfect know, so uh, you have any you have any sleeper picks that you can throw out there then uh might want to keep an eye on some rookies well like any media member in uh you know american football coverage i only focus i'm only actually only aware of the top five picks that happen in the nfl draft and beyond that we're completely ignorant of anything that will actually play out and have an enormous impact on actual football but for the point of like draft coverage nah it's like first round picks, baby, and that's it. You know, that's <laughs> all it is. So, uh, I, I used to be a diehard. I used to watch like all seven rounds of the draft, uh, and then I realized that there's more to life. Um, so <laughs> you went I outside. right, yeah, I, yeah, I did. I did. I went outside. I found a soccer ball. I was like, oh, I, I remember this the game, um, and that's how I got back into soccer. Uh, and now I've forgotten all about NFL. So hey, it's a it's it's a cycle. Um, uh, there was one other question I kind of I kind of glossed over. I'm going to ask it real quick. This is the very last one that came in from Teal Forever, uh, related, uh, oddly worded, but it basically says uh, uh, Josie Altador has a poor attitude, uh, a lot of complaining while playing poorly himself. Do you think that that came through to you? Because that's nothing that I necessarily picked up on, um, but it's something that I've heard rumored about that Josie is bad. For the locker room, he can have a bad attitude, but it's something that I've never, I've ever seen or heard reported from him his time so far in New England. Yeah, I mean everything that I've that I understand and honestly that I've seen from Josie is he's been a model citizen, and I I don't uh, really put anything into that. I think like I don't know if you look around. I mean, definitely Carlos is definitely you know yeah. has definitely you know, and it's not even complaining so much as just like you know you're kind of like lobbying, you're lobbying yeah. to the ref, and you're trying to get them to call the game a little, little tighter because strategically that is better for you. So, I mean, like that's, you know, that's just part of soccer. Um, and I don't put anything at all into the idea that he's bad for the locker room. I think that's actually one of his best assets at this point, because I mean, if he, you know, I, I hope he can stay healthy, but if he can't, you know, I mean, he's still a professional who's played at the highest levels and you want people like that around, um, you know, especially a player like Renix. I think that's a great example for him. So, um, yeah, no, I, 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 I think Josie's a, a good thing. I think obviously it's been talked about, like his salary is probably a little too high for what his role is, but mm -hmm. I don't know. That's not Josie's fault. <laughs> so yeah, you know, right, exactly good for him uh, for making the money, you know? Right. And it's like, you know, he, he can only play as much as he can play. Like his body is only going to let him do what it can do. It's not, that's, that's again, that none of that's his fault. So. Well, that does it for questions. Uh, Hayden, you, you've made it through uh, the gauntlet. That was a lot more questions than I think we usually get. And we always try to ask all the questions. So thank you, everyone, for setting them in. Uh, some notes to go over real quick. Uh, Revs, we've already talked about this a little bit, but Revs have officially signed Serbian goalkeeper Georgi Petrovic from FK Kukuriki of the Serbian Superliga. He will join the club pending receipt of his P1 visa and ITC, International Transfer Certificate, which uh, might actually... I just deleted all of the questions by accident on my keyboard. <laughs> uh, 
uh, Hayden, you're saying that there might be rumors that that's already been completed. I guess we'll find out in due time. Uh, it's not a big rush to to get Georgie here, uh, but hopefully sometime soon so that he can get acclimated. Uh, it can take a while for European players to get acclimated, uh, as has been mentioned by Bruce Arena before. Speaking of mentioned by Bruce Arena, on a recent radio interview, he mentioned that he hopes to have striker Gustavo Bo back in a few weeks. Maybe we can see him return around the D.C. United road trip. And then New England will return to play in one week as they play host to MLS expansion side Charlotte FC, who fresh in our memories uh, from, was that two weeks ago now? Uh, yeah. The, yeah, the the tough, tough match for the Revs uh, in Charlotte. Uh, this time back in Gillette Stadium, uh, hopefully with a less rotated squad as Adam Buxa will uh, return from his red car suspension. And hopefully Matt Turner uh, can make a return. Uh, that's speculating for me 100%, but uh, my fingers are crossed. I'd love to see Matt Turner get back out there. Uh, and that's it. That was a really long one from us today, so apologies. That's going to wrap it up. Thank you so much again, Hayden Bird, for joining us today. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before we depart? And also, where can everyone find you, social media, uh, anywhere else? Uh, you can find me at Hayden H. Bird on Twitter, and I'm. Uh, you can find me on Boston.com and the Boston Globe. Um, and just kind of around the Somerville area, maybe like Bagelsaurus, but um, yes. you know, I'm out there. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Final thoughts. I don't know. Everyone, uh, what was that Aaron Rodgers quote? Like relax or whatever. I think yes. honestly, that's long-term. That's still my message. I know it's really been brutal. I don't blame you for feeling like this is a real tough run because some of these late goals have been brutal, but yeah, honestly, I would just say it's still a long game right now. So. Uh, all, right, all right, that's going to be it. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Lucas. Follow the podcast at Revolution Recap on Twitter and also like our Revolution Recap Facebook and Instagram pages. You can also send us an email at revolutionrecap at gmail.com anytime with questions or comments. If you're looking to support the podcast, you become a Patreon or visit our sponsor, Golasso Kits, and use Res Recap at checkout for 15% off your order. And please, if you haven't already, please rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever you are listening. Lastly, be sure to follow The Bent Musket at thebentmusket.com or at the Bent Musket on Twitter. Uh, we will be back next week. And until then, thank you so much to everyone for listening and submitting your questions. Go Revs.